It's Friday, July 16th, 2021, and you're listening to episode 575 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 50 minutes. I think what I get out of combat, you guys mentioned World War II, and you had mentioned getting into fight, like like a sort of real-life sort of thing, getting into yeah. fights and, and battles and stuff. And the thing about fighting, the thing about combat, and especially the thing about war, because when we're talking about like D&D, we're not mm-hmm. talking about going to a bar and getting into a punch-up, right? We're talking about warriors or people who are intellectuals who can cast spells that make them cannons, you know, warrior. It's warfare. It, it all represents some sort of warfare, even if you're not part of a battalion, no. right? And the thing about warfare, historically speaking... It's not about two armies facing each other and one army is killed to the last man. Yeah, that it's, very rarely it's happens. Ne- yeah, it's never about death. People die and it's horrible. Like like Sherman said, you know, war is hell. Yeah, 25% casualties is a huge, huge number. It's yeah. a huge, huge number. Gigantic. Which is not how we play right. role playing. Yeah, you break the line and then when the other side is losing, they're going to pull back. Yeah. Because they're going to lose their resources of right. people. And even if the generals don't pull them back, you're shattering their lines and the people fighting are surrendering or being or overran- fleeing. Or yeah. fleeing yeah. or being overran. It is never about actually killing someone. And even in a small combat engagement, it is very rare that everybody dies. Everybody on one side or the other dies. Now, of course, you know, there's going to be a lot of armchair historians, because I am an armchair historian, who is going to say, well, what about this and this, that, and this and that? Well, there's one guy left in... Bo- the yeah, ancient it, battle where 70,000 people right. were killed in one... Yeah. Yeah. Those are edge cases compared yeah, exactly. to... exactly. It happened, but this, was not, this is not normative. In D&D and games like the Harnmaster and stuff, are about one side dying. Now, obviously, you can change the trappings all you want with any game. You are penalized if you try to turn and run. Yeah. So the thing is, with those games, you look at the tools you're given. The tools you're given is your friends show up with their characters to fight. You know, we're making D&D. 80% of the character sheet is fighting. We open our toolbox. The toolbox is swords and clubs and we're and we're here to fight so when we get into combat we're fighting everyone signed up when you get into games like you know powered by the apocalypse type game or fate or stuff like that from my perspective now it, it again trappings and people are all different they can do different stuff with it my view of it and how i treat it even if it's combat like it's a violent engagement or a social thing or whatever my thing is my friends and i have shown up to build a house and the house is a metaphor for the story it's not my house it's our house all of us are going to live in this house we're all building it together that's a very 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 fine house it is but i show up with the blueprint but it's not my blueprints i open up the blueprints and all of my friends are around and we are adjusting the blueprints we're changing things because we're all building a house we're all living in this house now where this metaphor comes in is just like the DD one we bring over the tool chest and we open it up in Powered by the Apocalypse or any of the other games like that. When we open the tool chest, what is inside are nails, hammers, lumber, bricks, mace knight, all the stuff needed to build the house. 
when we play Dungeons and Dragons or Hardmaster or any of those kind of games, totally fine. We open up the tool chest to make the house and inside are guns and knives and swords and grenades. And it's like, can I build a house with this? Well, yeah, but it's not what they're designed for. And And I'm glad, though, that combat is present well, in, in the most same games. way like because of the fact that i mean even we're talking about pure narrative story or whatever part of the human experience is encounters with or impulses that lead us to create violence i'm not saying it's right i'm not saying it's good i'm there's no moral mm-hmm. statement here this is just a cold clinical truth that violence is in the human tool chest of problem solving that somebody pushes you far enough or does a bad enough thing or whatever exactly the scenario is, and violence becomes the answer to the situation. If I'm playing a superhero game, I want to do some of the saving people. But if I don't get to punch a villain in the face, yeah. I don't feel like I'm playing a superhero and game. Let me, let me go back to yeah. two things, Wayne, specifically that you had brought up. One, you said that in Dungeons & Dragons, you are punished for disengaging for routing and, and which again, is true but that's not a uh, game okay. trait so let me that's a gming trait. okay that that is the thing that i wanted to challenge yeah i have never as a game master and i've made a lot of mistakes but if my players route from a fight that they think is too much yeah. i've never punished them yeah exactly that. it's not never. no D does not no, punish i have the, the opposite player for problem that. I have my NPCs try to run and my players hunt them down and kill them. Well, okay. So here's the other problem is and I'm transitioning to a different topic, but so Jason Brick is a booter. Great guy does the podcast, YouTube thing, uh, safest family on the block. He interviewed a guy named Rory Miller. Rory Miller wrote a book about conflict communication. And when we have a fight, Right. Which is what you're doing as a, as a game master. Mm-hmm. You are presenting a fight. That is a social contract where we agree that there are rules. There are things that you don't do in a fight. We presume that it is going to be fair. You presume a lot right. in my games. But your <laughs> but what your players are doing is hunting. It's completely asymmetric. It is completely to their advantage and their objective is to kill. What you have to do as a game master is run a fight that feels like a hunt. You have to make them feel like that there are no stops and that you are a merciless fucking cunt. Do you? I mean, because... I disagree. Yeah, I I was with you up until the point where you said that the GM has to do this because the point that was just raised was that you know dnd makes this happen and i feel it's completely wrong the, the dungeon master happen, makes it happen it doesn't make it happen but i mean it's like the tracks are there the, t- the tools are there if, if we, i'm talking about things like attack of opportunity sure and rules like that that are in the game that punish you for turning and running well no and i'm not disagreeing with you but obviously it's up to both the players and to the dungeon master or game master or whatever whether they choose to say, right. we're, we're going to let this slide. Let's go back to Battletech as an example. In the campaign we played of that, and then it was granted some years back, but the most recent campaign we played, you guys both accepted and offered surrenders and had them offered, you know, and accepted them. 
And so it was both sides, both parties understood that there was a way to walk out. Oh, sure. And, and no, and th- that's the thing is to, that to come the, into the orcs don't want to die. Yeah. The, the bugbears don't want to die. They will run away. They will surrender. Right. But at some point when all things are being equal, when we roll initiative, you want to kill me and I want to kill you. And that needs to be important. Yeah. That needs to be established. Well, and I think that's a fair point of storytelling. I think more what I'm saying is that if that is the ubiquity, if that is the overarching rule of a game, you know, that quarter can neither be given nor accepted, that that's an attitude that came there before the game. It was not created by the game. You know, why right. is the it? The game creates nothing. It's all trappings. Well, precisely. I want to ask for a clarifying question. When you say you need to run a, a game where you're, it feels like you're hunting them, are you saying GMs? Are you saying me in particular? No, I mean the NPCs. So when I'm running a combat encounter, the most important thing to me, the first step is to look at who are they fighting and why. And what is the motivation of the thing that they're fighting, right? Does this thing have great morale? Is it a zealot? What is its willingness in this combat encounter? Because there are a lot of things, most things have a self-preservation instinct and they don't want to die. I can't tell you how many times I've run a combat encounter where the bad guys have attempted to disengage and have failed to do so and have been run down by the PCs. So I thought you were potentially just saying it for me in particular because I've gone on about how I feel like my combats are weak. I don't think I'm very good at combat to begin with, but I also feel like my NPCs get just stomped on. And part of that, it's how I play them. If I were a player and I was controlling all of these NPCs as mine and you're the GM, they're going to be effective as hell. But as a GM, I really struggle with that. So one of my last D&D combats, my players are there. They're level two. I have one big bad. I have 12 cultists and I have it was either four or six zombies. That's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot going on for an L2 party. Yep, exactly. Mechanically, there is no reason that should not have crushed them. Because of how I played it... You cheated. No, I didn't play it... Optimally. Optimally, Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, they don't necessarily know where everyone is, so these groups of cultists are going to go into the woods. Mm. These are going to go this way. They didn't fight the group. I thought you were going to say that you, like, you know, fudged the hit points on them. No, they went different ways and the big bad guy decided he was a coward and he wasn't going to throw a spell until they hit him with a distance with an arrow this is good because you you guys are each respectively playing to your strengths you're playing to the things where you as a game master are good at creating tension that brodor for you it sounds like that you can sit down look at the numbers look at the way that you describe your hit points dan are a resource that i'm gonna and steal i'm gonna take them from you against your will yeah but yeah these are things that you know how to juggle up front and use it to create tension whereas wayne on the other hand creates tension through narrative and when the combat hits that's not where you're going to try and create the tension because that's not your strength and that's the unfortunate thing is though when i went to run it i'm gun shy i'm sending too few things at them even though i've got them all on the table And then I have them try to run and they're running them down. They're easily taking these things out. When I finally have my big bad, he gets hit. He turns around, throws a spell 
instantly downs one of my players. Hmm. Doesn't kill him. <laughs> one hit point away from instant kill. And I freak out. Immediately, I'm wanting my NPC to run away. I don't want him out there fighting, throwing spells. And that's something I struggle with. That's why I thought you were saying... I need to go hunting because... No, I meant the royal you. Ah. Yeah, not you, not Wayne Cole specifically. If I meant you were the to game master. If you were to say me, I wouldn't necessarily disagree. I need to break myself of that mindset that I'm going to break the characters. Yeah. Well, D&D a- has a lot of things of healing and a lot of bells and whistles to press, and I freak out and I pull back. Because in other combats, other systems, I have narrative things I can do, with D&D, I feel I'm stuck with the yeah. numbers. and 12 I, hit points is 12 hit points, and if they have 10 yeah. hit points, 12 hit points is is more than 12 hit points. And I, know, that's why I think I run real, damage. That's why I don't think yeah. I run good combat. I think I run better combat. When I look at our masks game, mm-hmm. I think our combats were pretty good there. Yeah, I liked them. Oh, that, that's very different than running, say, a D&D combat for me. I'm comfortable there because I can do things narratively. Mm-hmm. I don't... The other big thing, I don't roll dice. Right. I'm not beholden to, oh, I rolled a one. Well, that was the other thing, too, is that you said, like, in Blades of Dark, Chad can't kill us. But the beautiful thing about Blades of the Dark is, is that Chad looked at me and said, Mike, Alex leapt off of an 18-story building. He's going to take a level 8 harm. And I'd say, Chad, I, I there's only four levels of harm. <laughs> and he look at me and go, dude, Brodor, your dumbass had your character jump off of a giant building. Take eight harm. I'm done. <laughs> I mean, he can. Do I, you know what? Then, he then could. You take it on the armor. And- he could, but I think <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> my advice here is going to come straight from Heath Ledger's Joker. It's about sending a message. <laughs> and uh, let me give. No, the, I get it. Yeah, no. There, there's an example I've been sitting on here since the start of this episode. There was a combat that came up in our Blades in the Dark game that was done Chad style. <laughs> all right, I'm going to give high praise to this. Which, if you go. Fear the boot all the way back to its start. This is a moment you would have never expected to occur. But we had this fight where we were fighting through a what's called a blue coat base or whatever. It's basically the cops. Yeah, it's a cops. It's a police police station. Uh, Yeah, it was a sort of a reversal of the plot of assault on precinct thirteen. And in this setting, the blue coats, the cops. There are very few good ones. They are mostly corrupt hooligans. Right. I mean, it's, it's the biggest gang in Dustwall. Yeah, exactly. And there is something that Chad brought into the game that is not naturally a part mm-hmm. of Blades in the Dark. But Blades in the Dark seems to be very heavily influenced by a video game series called Dishonored. And in Dishonored, there are these enemies called Tall Boys, which are these people that are kind of on these big stilted shielded armored suits that yeah, can shoot. like stilt man from marvel mm-hmm. <laughs> only not stupid and that you can <laughs> high five can, vanilla face yeah. agreed but they, <laughs> they can shoot out explosives and all this stuff and when we were working through this blue coat station this police station that you're not supposed to attack yeah and there's just total <laughs> mayhem and total yeah, chaos great. but when we got to the bottom they had at this particular base one of those tall boy suits, mm-hmm. only one, at least that we're aware of. They had yep. one and they had a guy who was its pilot and the pilots themselves also then wear a layer of armor that is separate from the tall boy suit is like wearing powered armor inside of a Mac. I mean, if we're, mm-hmm. except in gaslight sort of yeah. terms with the bow and arrow that shoots explosives. Right. And, yeah, but it's... the description 
I knew this was serious business. Now, I know you don't have it satted out mm-hmm. because there are no stats in Blades in the Dark Correct. for a tall boy. No, there's and, no stats for anything. Yeah, exactly. And I knew that when we went in there, that this was going to be something we were going to have to earn. And the question was, what were we willing to sacrifice to earn it? Now, why did I know that? Because over the years, Chad has done a good job of sending a message. (laughs) And when he started describing that scene and he started talking about how the guy gets into the armor and he suddenly pauses the game and goes into great detail, painted a very wonderful, vivid scene of this armor coming to life and starting to stand up and its systems coming online and these other limbs reaching out and whatever. If you didn't get the message that you're into your elbows, I don't know what you're what you're on. You know, every and I looked at you when I said yeah, that no. part of it. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> no, but the thing is, in, but I, I'm saying though, everyone at that table felt that tension, and it came purely from narrative. Because at what point did that tall boy attack, and at what point did he die? Well, after the party had suffered to a degree mm-hmm. or had struggled or accomplished or rolled enough crit successes com- in that case had actually finally come together as a team yeah exactly but and so at that point it'd be no different than the hit points hitting zero except it's a narrative choice mm-hmm. and which is not better not worse it's just chad playing to his strengths which is what a good gm ought to do and as a result it worked, and it worked wonderfully, despite the fact that, yes, there were dice being rolled. There were indisputable truths of rules in play, but they certainly were not mediating that combat the way, say, a game of Battletech would right. do it. So here's, Thank for, you. for me, as the player, here's the distinction. Mm-hmm. And let me jump on Chad's <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Ow. The, for, for me, the thing is, and this is where it is no different than Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, mechanically, damage is adjudicated in a different way. Actions are adjudicated in a different way. But ultimately, never, ever one moment in that fight was I not f-ing terrified of dying. Was I not terrified of losing an NPC, which I had never played before, yeah. that you had created I felt the tension, but more importantly, I gave them a bunch of mooks to play. It was, there was a threat and Mm. I never, ever felt like that this was a waste of our time and that this was a frivolous exercise. I never felt like, well, two hours from now we've defeated the tall boy and I don't know why we did this encounter. I honestly felt Attached to big Garrett. Garrett, thank you. I felt attached to him, but also I felt the threat that these blue coats could kill me. And to keep in mind, if somebody hasn't listened to the AP, we never fought mm-hmm. a proper tall boy. No, you didn't. The you true, caught him with his pants yeah. down. The literally. true brilliance of making this terrible. Imagine if my midnight players have fought a manticore that was chained to the ground that never got to take the advantage of taking flight that was limited on the distance that it could be sure. by this chain. That's the fight that we had. It was so intense to use a, tra- I, I was scared to use a transformers Thank metaphor. You. We didn't fight devastator. We were trying to keep the constructicons from merging. Right. And yeah. that's what that fight was. And it created that countdown 
of not that there was per se like a egg timer on the table, mm. but that understood countdown of the longer we sit on our hands, the more together this thing comes that created that tension. Meanwhile, my character was not in the tall boy fight. My character had walked in the front door with a paperwork <laughs> request, but I, at the same time, I still knew my character was in danger because I knew if at any moment I got belligerent with these blue coats and stopped playing bureaucratic games and greasing their palms and doing all the kind of stuff I was doing and actually started trying to just openly fight them. I was in their den. I was in the nest of vipers and I was so far in. And my mm. character, that NPC that I was playing, or this mook that I'm playing, is not built for a close-up brawl. I was going to be, I mean, my tiger was going to survive, but my character wasn't. <laughs> Your tiger's going to survive because it could walk through a wall. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so jumping on the chat praise on these, I love fighting tall boys in Chad's game. And I'm, I, I love it when Wayne makes fun of them. And I'm not even joking. I yeah. love it when Wayne makes fun of them because he is throwing down the gauntlet. My tall boy elevator pitch is terrible. The concept of it is really stupid yeah, and until I, I can get you to fight one and he yep, challenges me. On I that. know I the it. danger of them and I intentionally call them stilt man <laughs> to poke him and make them even mm -hmm. bigger and badder because I know these things are really tough and they're difficult to fight. And I know if I come up with something really interesting, Chad's going to roll with it. Mm -hmm. And I fought tall boys in previous Blades in the Dark game and I came up mm -hmm. with interesting ways to mm -hmm. deal with them. And it was never straight on, you don't attack him. Came up with ways to lock up their legs so he couldn't move. Yeah. yeah. And he's stuck and he's trying to move, but he can't keep going forward. Things like that, mm -hmm. I struggle with in a and game like D&D that has prescribed, I have this on my sheet that I can do. I gotcha. I got, no, no, no. Well, and I, I think that's, it's true too. Cause I mean, cause if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail, right? No, that's yeah. a stupid cliche, but it, I, I get where you're coming yeah. from that you feel, confined to the and box. And D&D, once again, does not force you to do that. Mm -hmm. The bugbears can run. Exactly how many hit points a bugbear has is up to you. You right. know, exactly when you come up with an excuse to give them advantage versus disadvantage on a roll is up to you. You as a game master have room to play. That's why I went to something like Battletech, because I think that one... Oh, that's even... 10 points is 10 yeah. points. Yeah, 10, 10, points, 10 is, points every time. Exactly. And if it hit the yeah. head, you saw the boxcars on the table. Yep. If there you are only so many bubbles that you can fill up, and if it's less than 10, yeah. goodbye. And so I think it gives you even less yeah. wiggle room, at least in the action. Now, between actions, yeah, pilots yeah, can sure. choose to walk away. Game. And the Ares Convention, which is sort of like their Geneva Convention, has rules for when you can and can't pursue them You're and such. You're absolutely right about D&D &D in that advantage and disadvantages. Eric from Gamer Stable described it as elegant, and I completely agree with yeah. him. And it's very strange to describe such a simple rule. It's just D20. It's D&D. &D. It, it is elegant. But you're right about how it's up to the Game Master. I would counter that, again, saying you're not wrong, though, is that the weight of the concept of D&D, &D, though, the push of it, all of the numbers, all the stats, the mathematical engine it makes, which you can do anything you want with, is still that bugbear has 25 hit points and you on average on a spreadsheet so, do 5.2 22 hit points because he's 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 elite he's elite statistic array out of the monster manual 3.5 right so 22 yeah and that is exactly where depending I on where you put the it. bonus yeah the player 
Brodor here comes with his knowledge and baggage, and this is how you play yeah. D&D, to Chad running D&D, who wants him to do something like kick a rock over and distract mm-hmm. him. Brodor knows. It has whatever many hit points. I hit it. So here's right? so here's the difference. And, and that's hit it, it. I hit it. That is a victory you don't want to take away from the players, but it is a victory prescribed by the rules as written. But Dan pointed out earlier is that Chad, in his game mastering, has already, before I ever sat down at the table as a fan of Fear the Boot, listening to Chad, I know that that's not an important thing to Chad. So I need to set that aside. Yeah, But you don't always know that when you put together a group. Yeah. And and you don't necessarily have a history with every group. And something else I, I really want to emphasize here is, Broder, the only reason I am not praising your GMing is because of the fact that I have not played in a serious long campaign of yours. So I lack a frame of reference to praise. But what I will absolutely say that, you know, I I feel confident in saying is that what you have described in the course of this episode is a great series of tips and tricks of picking the monster, balancing the encounter, choosing when they flee versus stay. Heck, these manacores can fly away. Oh, and one of them, for the sake of argument at home, the best part of the encounter is they come in just within distance. The party spellcaster, frack, glitter dust. I'm going to blind both of them. And DC 21 will save. Manicore, the elite statistic array that I broke them down, plus three will. I roll fucking 18s. I'm like, okay, I roll them in front of the GM screen because that creates even greater tension. 18, 19, both CR6 manicores pass their saving throws. Brent nemesis crestfallen because he knows motherfuckers are gonna die oh and then the party turns the encounter in a way that they kill one mana core the second mana core has to rout uh there is nothing more exciting to me than hitting the players with an encounter that they think is too much and then they walk away with 10 percent resource left <laughs> and nobody's dead and they've got loot, and they're like, son of a bitch, we kicked your ass, Mike. We kicked your ass. Yes. You know, maybe there's something to be said for picking the systems that you run based on your strengths. Oh, absolutely. I have no doubt that if you ran a D&D combat and I ran one, yours would be a hell of a lot of fun, and mine would be disappointing. Yeah. However, if I put you up on like you know, mass combat versus me... I think you're going to enjoy my mass combat a lot more than yours. I feel, I feel a little lost because it's like when I tried to run Band of Blades, did I didn't get it, right? And I wish I could go back and start that campaign again after playing in Chad's yeah. Blades game because I just didn't understand. And there's no initiative. Right. No, I can't. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, well, and how you described it was as you set up this encounter with these manacores, you were excited about it. You describe it to them, to some of them in a narrative sense of what they saw in the clouds, to some of them in just, oh, well, it's a this with a this modifier and some ketchup on top. And they got what that meant. And that got them. Look, you, it sounds like, and I'm not one of your players, so I can't say for sure, but it sounds like you were able to create meaningful tension for them. And it created something that worked with your strengths to speak to their points of engagement that's success. Right. And like I said, the only reason I cannot praise you to the same degree I could say Chad or Wayne 
is I've never been in one of your campaigns, so I have no incident or no moment I can point back to and say, wow, you really nailed it with the way you handled that white dragon that burst out of the ice sheet or whatever. And so I just don't have that to give. But I would say it all the time. The only way to fail at these games is to not have fun. Or in this case, we're talking about engaging the players with meaningful tension. And if you did that, your method works. You know, it may not work in every game. It may not work for every game master. It may not work for every player. But if it worked in that moment, that was the right tool for the job. You succeeded. Maybe Brodo should run the next AP and then we can let the listeners judge him. So (laughs) if we did that, I would have to run a game without miniatures. How would you like to run Blades? And I don't mean your game of Blades. How would you like to run some sessions of our current game of Blades? Um, I'd have to give that some thought. That's intimidating. You, you put me on the spot. My seat is very hot. You might want to it's do the... very you warm. Might to, <laughs> you might want to do the mooks, though, because I already know that it's going to have nothing to do with oh, Dan no, no, versus no. Brodor. No, no. We're creating tension. Yeah. We're uh, sending a message. I <laughs> say, <laughs> you... Are going to run this right. Blades game and now one shot with the Mooks. Oh, I want you to do a minimum of three episodes. Three I, I know my ability to get inside of his head with my main character. Oh, that, no, your kid, that's uncomfortable. Well, and, and if you think that that would be, your main character is very weird. This Creepy is going to sound bro- weird. I feel like I know how to handle him. Well, constrain him. You're not as easily creeped out. Yeah. I know I'd how to creep out Brodor, yeah. and the character I'm playing is literally taken. I mean, not You wholly. can play Booker. Yeah. Exactly. With the regular guys. I mean, that's that's what they're all designed for, yeah. is to be switching All right, out. all right, all right. Challenge accepted. Or, or once again, it's our story. It's... Mm-hmm. Our yeah. combined work. Absolutely. So if Brodor's We're all running, building a house together. then I need to not metagame and try and get in his head. step back. Yeah. No, no. Actually, again, challenge accepted. Mm-hmm. I'll just try to get back at you. <laughs> yeah. well, wow. Well, you know, okay. It's like I said, you know, we have this side discord and uh, the game where they did the assault on the precinct. I was like, you know, guys, I had a really, really tough day at work and uh, I'm just going to take it out on you guys. That's all there is to it. (laughs) And with a game like Blades, you can because it's all about hurting your players. Yeah. Well, and Blades, like some other systems, there are mechanisms for buying down the damage. Yes. The players have a way no, to say Let's position. talk about that for a minute. That is one thing that drives me bonkers in certain systems is where they really do. I don't think they can ever fully take it away from you because you're only as bound by the rules as you make yourself. But I think there are some games that do a better job providing built-in mechanisms for increasing and decreasing pressure than others. Savage and, World's bennies are really good for giving the players agency against the yeah. dice. There was something that, let's go to Battletech, back in MechWarrior 2nd Edition, which is a very old version of the role-playing game, had something that I didn't think got enough play later on, which was something called Edge, which mm-hmm. was your ability to manage re-rolls or to budget re-rolls so that if suddenly a shell lands in your cockpit... You could say, you know what, I want the enemy to have to re-roll that because yeah. it's a really unlikely hit, and I want some pl- wiggle room here to get out and of that's this. The whole thing about blades and about powered by the apocalypse stuff is that the system is inherently unfair to the players. Yeah, I don't roll dice. I don't have stats. I don't have rules I have to follow. I make decisions. Dan, you're walking down the street. 
your character is talking to Eric's character, to Uncle Treacle, and a shot rings out, and you look down, and you see a growing spread of blood at your breast. And that's when the waves of pain hit, but at least you know as a doctor, as consciousness starts to fade, that at least the bullet went out the other end. Yeah, and didn't Okay, what do you guys do? Right. Now, but the thing is, is Dan can, like, say, whoa, boop, pause. Yeah. I want to use any number of these different levers and releases I have to make that not happen or to mitigate it or to to do something. Yeah, and if I'm willing to spend enough, maybe this mm-hmm. guy right. still had a paint round in there. Right. I'm not bleeding at all. Yeah. It and just really bruised. It has another mechanism that I like in game systems. If I really want this role to work narratively, I have options to improve my chances on that role. Mm-hmm. For Blades in the Dark, I push myself, which takes more stress, mm-hmm. and now I get more dice. In systems like Fate, I tag an aspect and mm-hmm. I pay a resource to make this role have a better chance of succeeding. But then within D&D, with my fifth level fire <laughs> giant fighter who has the awesome blow feet, and I know that the monk is going to come running in and he thinks that his AC is unhittable, he's going to provoke an attack of opportunity and that fire giant's going to and hit him and if i crit and take most of his goddamn hit points and knock him back 10 feet prone the look on that player's face at the absolute pain and suffering that i have visited upon them with delightful gory description oh uh, uh, huh that was uncomfortable <laughs> this is one of the reasons and i'm not picking on this but this mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why i think well, I know, I guess, that some people prefer to use a GM screen or a DM screen. Because what is that really? It's deceit. Yes. Now, I'm not saying that's the only purpose it serves, but I'm saying it gives you the wiggle room to roll dice and to say whatever you want. It's specific. And I'm not saying you should do that or shouldn't do that. I'm just saying it's a tool in the toolbox. Use it or don't, but I'm saying it's there. Yeah, and we've talked about for all the other reasons to use a GM screen. I love GM screens from the standpoint of, Here's all my reference numbers. Mm -hmm. I'm not fudging dice. I like having the references there. The GM screen may not even be sitting up. I may have it laying flat on the table Mm -hmm. for all the references. And there are some people I've info. And I've talked to people who are really hardcore. They're very simulationist or whatever. The rules are the rules. (laughs) If you rolled it, that's what we go with. We go by the book, and that's fine. If that's the style your group enjoys, I'm not a fan, but you don't need my permission to enjoy something. But in talking to a lot of people that tell me they prefer using GM screens, one of the reasons I am often given by these individuals is the players don't know what's behind it. And that allows them to both create tension, but also to, at the right moments, to deceive as a way of mm-hmm. tightening or loosening the vowels. And you know, a GM screen it creates a, a a blind where you yeah. don't know what actually was occurring. Why it. did an 18 hit this round, yet a 15 mix the next round? I love it for deceit rolls, where let's say the NPC's making a deceit roll versus Brodor making a empathy or whatever the system has roll, and he makes a middle-of-the-road roll. And I tell him, you think this person's lying. You think this person's telling the truth. If they don't know on the other side that I rolled either a 20 or a mm-hmm. 1, because I don't roll middle of the road typically, right? then the character thinks they're successful. 
Brodor as a player now in the back of his mind, did I beat it? Did I not beat it? I don't know. I will yeah. always argue against the concept. And actually, it's, it's something that you've espoused many times, Dan, and you're you're not wrong. I just don't like the idea of it, is that the dice are storytelling, right? The dice tell a story because you don't know what you're going to roll. And the best you can do in many of these classical systems is just add a little bit or take a little bit from it. Yeah. And the dice are a storyteller. My argument is that that is correct. They are a storyteller and they're a horrible storyteller. They're the worst storyteller hmm. because they have no concept of tension or dynamics. It's just occasional surprise yeah. with the mean average being just that average. Right. Terrible storytelling. And that's why I think cheating is so important for Game Master. Mm. I don't use a GM screen, but I think it's a useful tool for cheating because See, the Game Master gets a little bit of inspiration from the dice they roll. And then they say, well, no, I've been hammering the players too much. They're about to die. I That nat 20 just didn't happen. Or I'm not doing enough to these guys. I mean, they are just wiping the floor because it's like they roll sixes, they roll sixes, they roll sixes. Yeah, that, these guys that's, but that's fun, too. Yeah. I have run plenty of combat encounters mm -hmm. that have been aggressively one-sided in the favor of my players. Because sometimes when you're playing Shadows of Mordor, you see 30 mm -hmm. orcs and you're like, I've got a couple minutes. I'm just going to kill those guys because I get off on it. Right. Uh, my players have had plenty of games mm. where they're like, is that 30 kobolds? Ah, you guys want some coin? Probably 30 gold among them, but let's just go get it. <laughs> <laughs> Crush those fuckers. But yeah. as far as the Game Master screen goes, and I know this is going to be very unpopular because you and I philosophically mm -hmm. differ on this, but the Game Master screen is a statement saying that you and I are not the same. Yeah. You are a PC and I am the game master. And yes, our fun is equal and necessary for the game, but your role in the experience is distinctly different yeah. from my role. In it's the like everybody is sitting on a kitchen chair and you're sitting on a throne as the game master. But, but I don't, I don't want to differentiate. I don't want to be worshipped or idolized, whatever. What I want to indicate. No, you're going to be hated. And you're going to lose your head. My, my, <laughs> but my responsibility. We're French, Brodor. This is oh, what we do to God, nobility. so true. <laughs> oh my god and then we cut off the heads of the people who started the whole thing i know right because it, of bloodlust i know it's like we have a thing for it <laughs> oh, oh, oh we do we do <laughs> does gm mean to you brother and this is a question here not accusation but when you're gming do you really feel like a sort of sort of damocles well, I mean, I understand the reference of a Sword of Damocles, but I guess I don't understand what you're asking. Okay, so to explain the Sword of Damocles for anyone who's not familiar with the reference, there's a... Damn, a sword! <laughs> oh, yeah, please. exactly. There's a, a myth or legend, I don't know, maybe it actually happened, who knows, where a guy was like, oh, I really want to be king and I could figure it all out. And so the king says, okay, fine, you can be king for a day or however long and tied a sword by a single thread so it would dangle over the throne. And of course, the fear was always that at any moment that sword's weight might stress and break that thread and the sword comes down and 
thrust through and either seriously injured. That's an OSHA violation. Oh, that's a lot of violations. I mean, the king's but... in management, but he's still under protection. Jesus Christ, OSHA. you want to you talk about OSHA? Call George Lucas. Jesus Christ, the future has no OSHA. Right. No <laughs> railings, no labels, all. Yeah. But um, terrible. But my question is, do you feel like when you're GMing that you are, per the sword of Damocles, I mean, the, the point of the story is that under inordinate pressure. Yes. yes. That if you screw yeah, absolutely. up, that you may have huge power, but at any moment it could all go wrong. And if it all goes wrong, it's your head they're coming after. Yes, yes, yes. No, I absolutely fail. Probably unnecessarily See, I so. Think, I think it would be therapeutic for you to run Blades in the Dark. Because it's because it's of us building yeah, the house. Because yeah. you because you would be <laughs> But I don't but I don't want to use those nails, Chad. These other nails over here are better, and here are all the reasons why you should use these nails. But the thing is you can make that argument through the game. Yeah. And because it's it's a marketplace, right? It's a marketplace where I show up with the blueprints. But we all change and affect it, right? So I'm showing up with something, and I'm throwing things out there, and you guys are either clamping on it or not. Blades is such a game where you guys can just look at me and go, you know what? No, we're not doing this thing this guy told. Like, Dan, the first game, I had my my big bad character there and who gave him the job, and Dan's like, do we got to kiss this guy's ass? I'm like, no, you can go and kill him if you want. <laughs> It'll be a thing. Like, yeah. there's going to be... A lot of problems doing that, but no, you don't kiss anyone's ass, yeah, and, but there's and, always consequences. And let me, but, I mean, just in my own defense, my game mastering style, there is, did I don't railroad, right? Like if right. my, if my players want to go and kill NPCX, let's make that happen. Yeah. Right. Whatever it is that you guys want to do. But I think that the downside to my game mastering style is oftentimes the players are looking at me and expecting, okay, what is next? Yeah. Right? Well, and, What's the next thing? And certainly my goal here is not to invalidate your GMing style because there's nothing invalid about it. It's to challenge you to diversify. It's right. to challenge you to start trying out tools you've never messed with before. And in the process, I'm going to bet good money because once again, like everyone else here except you, I believe you don't give yourself enough credit. That's right. I think you're going to discover you are a whole lot safer than you think you are. The sort of Damocles is actually probably held up by a rope, not a thread. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm, I, I mean, another mixed metaphor. But the, the point being, though, that I would love to see you try it and then s- come back and see what you think once you've tried that and said, huh, you know, I, I stepped out of my limits here a little bit and I didn't use my usual techniques and yet it worked to exercise some new muscles look at it this way Hmm. i am absolutely 100 percent serious about you running our blades in the dark game okay i am one i want you to do minimum three episodes on it you're going to do fantastic now here's the reason why i think you're going to do fantastic two for one i think you're a great guy great game master you're smart and you you could real I, i believe you could absolutely deliver the goods my other reason is you're already delivering the goods all of the people at the table are already delivering the goods it's our story we're making yeah well that's i guess i was gonna say i was gonna throw do you think that i had any clue on this green earth what dan's character was going to do in our as of yet unpublished ap no none of you guys that brandon was going to punch the reality 
Dan was going to bring in a boat. Wayne's character was going to freak the f*** out. That your character was going to negotiate with the manipulator. The guy who is the leader of the group that he looks up to, your character changed his mind and changed the whole trajectory of the story. It was fantastic. You and everyone else are already running the game. Yeah. And, and yeah, Exactly. And expounding on that. We're just shifting where the rules are. We're just taking your dice away from you is, is all we're doing. Is I think you're going to find you're going to do well, not just because of your talents, but because we're not an antagonistic group of players. No, you're yeah. a different group of people than traditionally I have gamed with. And you're of course, going to sit down to run a game for a group of people that want you to be successful yeah. and are willing to take steps to make you successful. You don't been... refer to me as their enemy or nemesis. <laughs> my goal is <laughs> not, not yet anyway. Yeah, so my, goal, my goal is not to defeat the GM unless I get the sense the GM's goal is to defeat me. And then it becomes... Which is what Blades is all about. I'm my, all about hurting your character. My goal as a GM is not to defeat you. <laughs> no. But my Manticore's goal is to right. kill sure. you. Totally fair. to convey that. Yes, so, exactly. It's about sending a message. Right. So what was interesting about your story and how it relates to Blades and how I run a game, right? Not the Manticore story. It is your uh, fire giant story where your friend comes out, he's going to do this thing, and the fire giant... Bam! And hits him, and he's just so crestfallen. And then you talk about how the group comes together, and then they defeat the guy, and then they they look at you and like, Mike, we beat you. Well, think about what you have said throughout you this. You didn't. No. Beat me, but well, yeah. yeah. But look at your attitude on it. Is like, oh yeah, you know, you got, yeah, uh, you didn't get me. Uh, I got more fire giants. <laughs> you beat that guy, and you know They're what? Good for you. Deep down inside, deep in your heart. The purpose was not to kill him and whip your d- out and whack it off. The purpose was that you were a fan of them and of their course. characters and that you gave them the hardest time you possibly could so they could have the biggest win they possibly great characters, could. Yes. Great Thank characters you. deserve a great story, and great stories require meaningful conflict. It doesn't have to be violent conflict, right. but if there's no tension, if there's no sense of fear... If there's no whatever, if there's nothing meaningful on the line, if nobody cares, what's the point? Yeah, yep. And that is why I want to improve my combats in D&D and other systems, because you really do have to... See, and Wayne, be- I, I think you need to go the other way. You need to run a Battletech game. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you need or to something, all those another tools pilot in-, in the head and kill their character. Mm. <laughs> But yeah, I want to be better at it because I am a fan of the characters. And to be a fan of a character, the character has to have challenges that they overcome. Mm. And if they come into every combat and just stomp the combat, that's not a challenge. That's not making Mm. them pushing that character to its edge to show why is it so awesome. I can make that character, give it the challenges socially and have those characters the opportunity to shine socially. I fail at doing that in combat unless it's a more narrative combat. Mm -hmm. Now, I just want to say one last thing for me is that the greatest blows I have ever delivered to a character, none of them have been in combat. The most Mm -hmm. crucial, impactful. When Brent's character in a D&D game, we did a two-year time jump and he literally left the continent. He comes back and the woman that he was involved with 
after two years, walks right up to his domicile, knocks on the door. He opens it up. She slaps him as hard as she can, crying and walks away. He finds out days later that she lost their child shortly after he left. Wow. He f***ing still mad at me to this day. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh. Nice. I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up. We already went on a high note. Yeah, on, on a really, <laughs> no, that's, really a, that's actually, I love the gut punch. No, that, that is, that is, that is good. But I would have done that as a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get into you. So, <laughs> be sure to check the show notes because we don't have any announcements per se, but there was a bunch of things brought up that I'm going to try and link so you guys don't have to, this, you know, carve this stuff into your dashboard and remember. And not a, one of them is a recipe for a hot dish. Nope. Absolutely freaking not. Yep. But I will eat Chris Hussey's actual play. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> no. I thought you said eat. <laughs> no, I said link. I said link. It may shock you to know that when I do show notes, I link a lot and don't eat any of them. Not ass, not anything. Yeah. yeah so, it's very popular among the kids. That's what I learned. I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you want to learn about that, listen to the AP. Yeah. Okay. Did so, we cut that part? At- no, I, I don't cut those. Ex- I mean, unless <laughs> oh, it goes really, really, bad. really bad. Even then, it has to be really, 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 many really bad. Mm. So anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week, great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2021. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.